0: I'm thoroughly enjoying this uh, opportunity to read the New Testament together in these eight weeks with Immerse, and uh, it's such a refreshing translation, New Living Translation. Also, it's fantastic to be able to read it together, and uh, just to be struck afresh by all the Lord has done, is doing, and also what He, what he will do. I think the other thing that's really struck me over this last number of weeks and looking at Luke's gospel last week, and we're in the midst of Acts this week, is just the supernatural nature of the work of God. Acts even seems more supernatural. And of course, that's what Jesus intended it to be. Jesus said to his disciples, it's good for you that I go away. It's good for you that I ascend into heaven. Because what Luke is all about is about Jesus traveling south towards Jerusalem from Galilee. Moving inexorably towards what he believes is God's calling, the Father's calling in his life. To go to the place outside the city wall of Jerusalem and to to reconcile heaven and earth by defeating sin and death through His sacrificial death so that from that epicenter, there would be a tsunami of love that moves out inexorably, unstoppably out into the world, as we've already heard, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Not as a one-off tsunami, but as a ripple effect that continues to go out from the epicenter of Jesus Christ, the crucified, risen, ascended, and glorified Lord. And that's why when we read Acts, there's, there's so much more supernatural activity than there was even in Luke. Because the reality is Jesus, His spirit is now at work in the world in a totally unrestrained way. Before, it was centered round one man in the flesh, Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, fully God and fully human. But with His death, ascension, with the pouring out of His spirit has come the release of His spirit among His people. Raymond and Edith Edmund were Christian missionaries in Ecuador. They married in 1924 and within a year their baby son Charles was born. God was blessing their work and things looked bright. Then suddenly Raymond became extremely ill with typhus fever. His doctor a specialist in tropical diseases said that Raymond would die in a very short space of time and he advised Edith to start preparing for his funeral. Due to the hot climate, the funeral service was planned to be for three o'clock that day. And Edith began dyeing her wedding dress black in preparation for her young husband's funeral. Three and a half thousand miles north of Ecuador, in Massachusetts, Massachusetts, Raymond's uncle Joe became deeply troubled. He knew nothing of his nephew's predicament, but he couldn't shake off the sense that there was something wrong, that his nephew was in grave danger. Joe was attending a Bible conference at the time and he felt so stirred that he persuaded the 200 delegates to join him in prayer in urgent intercession for Raymond to be delivered from evil. They prayed intensely for hours, they fasted from lunch, and they continued to pray late into the afternoon when they sensed the prayers for the desperate need 3,500 miles away had been answered. Raymond himself, as he lay on his bed, knew that he was dying, though he was unaware that people were busy preparing for his funeral. He became aware of what he described as a presence that slowly entered the room, rising from the ground up to the level of his bed. Soon it completely filled the room. At first, Raymond wondered what what the surrounding influence or presence might be. He later wrote, "'Then I knew what it was, for in that moment I experienced a sweet sense of the love of God in Christ such as I had never known before in all the years of my life. It is sufficient to say that I have no fear of dying. Heaven is home to the believer, to that one who has become a child of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Raymond was not buried that day just didn't have to wear her blackened wedding dress. He regained consciousness and was completely healed. The remainder of his long and fruitful life was characterized by a sense of God's presence and a never-failing good cheer. He became president of Wheaton College and a mentor to Billy Graham, who said of him, We will never know the full evaluation of his life and ministry until we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. But still I have to say that he was the most unforgettable Christian I ever met. The waves of God's love in Christ are still going out like a tsunami. As William Reese said in that wonderful hymn of many years ago, Love Vast as the Ocean, Loving Kindness as the Flood. And he says in verse 2, On the Mount of Crucifixion, fountains opened deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's mercy flowed a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love like mighty rivers flowed incessant from above. Heaven's peace and perfect justice. Kissed a guilty world in love. As we read Acts, we can see that this, these tsunami waves crash through all sorts of barriers, linguistic, cultural, national, geographic. And it is clear what Luke wants us to understand in his gospel and also in Acts is the fact that this is not the work of human hands. This is the work of of Christ's Spirit. And so, as the waves go out, it seems that they are unstoppable. But of course, as we read Acts, as we also read Luke, we see the fact that there is opposition. That sin, the world, and the devil are intent on crushing the waves of love going out and yet try as they may what Acts proclaims to us, what the story of Raymond and Edith Edmund in Ecuador proclaim to us. Is that if we're alert to the spirit of Jesus Christ, if we listen to what he's saying to us, if we obey what he calls us to do, And we will discover that, yes, there is at times disappointment, there is pain, there is difficulty, but nonetheless, even sin, the world, and the devil cannot overcome what Christ is doing. And so persecution rises in Jerusalem, but actually it only leads to those who are followers of Christ being dispersed and the message of new life going out beyond Jerusalem just as Christ intended it. A man called Saul from Tarsus tries to crush the movement beyond Jerusalem, and he is confronted by the Spirit of Christ as he journeys towards the city of Damascus, and he becomes a powerful man of the movement. The Spirit of Christ is at work unstoppably. And that's why as we read, look, and Acts, we are struck by the fact that it is jam-packed with supernatural activity. Dreams, visions, angels, healings, revelations, prophecy, raising of the dead, resurrection, ascension into the heavenly realm. And in today's reading, a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, filling the whole house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. For the Jews who were listening, who were looking on, they were startled. They'd gathered from many countries for the festival of Pentecost. And when they heard Peter's explanation of what was happening and what this meant and his challenge to respond, thousands turned away from evil towards God and were baptized and received the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit wasn't just for the onlookers on the day of Pentecost. We see that reinforced again and again by Luke in Acts because he he tells us about a second Pentecost at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, this time a Pentecost for the Gentiles. Peter said, this promise is to you, to your children and to those who are far off. In other words, Peter is saying, this isn't just for this generation, this is for subsequent generations. And this isn't just for us who are gathered in Jerusalem, this is for those who are far away as well. The Spirit of Christ dwells in every person who has turned away from evil and turned towards God and received the gift of the Holy Spirit, has turned away from darkness to light, from death to life, from sin and selfishness, the life of the living God in Jesus Christ. Just as on the day of Pentecost, Christ is inviting us to go with him outwards. He remains the epicenter of the compassion, of the love and the power, at the center of the universe, at the center of the church, at the center of who we are. The call for us is to listen and to obey. I think what we need is we need to have an expectancy that we will see God at work. We need to prayerfully ask that what we read of in the pages of Acts and Luke becomes part of our day-to-day experience. That's why it's so important for us to immerse ourselves afresh in the story of Scripture. Because the story of modern thinking and philosophical thought is one which is very different than the one that we read in the pages of Scripture. I was struck today by a song that was released in the 1980s that Madonna sang, I am a material girl living in a material world. It's really the theme tune of modern philosophical thought. What the song is really saying is that nothing exists beyond what we can see and touch. There's nothing that exists beyond the material world. So just try and experience as much of the material world as you can, because that's all there is. But we have a very different story to not only tell, but also to live in. And the story is declared so powerfully in the midst of Luke and Acts. But to be part of it, what we need to do is actually go with the grain of what God is doing. That's what I believe that we're doing and going out with We Are With You. We're starting to step out in a fresh way and go with what Jesus, I believe, the risen Lord Jesus by His Spirit is doing. The Spirit of Jesus Christ is always moving out before us. He is always stepping out into new ground. He is always stepping into the places of darkness and brokenness and sin and injustice and poverty. And he calls us to go with him out into those places. If we want to live a life which looks like acts, to see the powerful working of God, then we need to respond to what Christ is doing in and around us. I think it's so exciting that in fresh ways, we have responded to that call over the course of this last year or so. And ironically, just as in Acts, the moments that looked the most dire in the recent history of this church have proved to be the greatest breakthroughs. In 2012, we had a fire that gutted this entire building. And the response of this congregation, of this church family, was to rebuild and reorder and renovate a church building to operate seven days a week and to be used for mission and worship and teaching and evangelism at the very heart of Bangor. And then in these last 19 or 20 months, another challenge came which is also a threat to the church, a threat to society and a threat to the world, the COVID-19 pandemic. But as Christ always does, in the midst of places of darkness and crisis, he steps in afresh among his people and he whispers to us, come out with me, step out with me, into the darkness into the places where there is crying and need and hunger and thirst and poverty and bereavement step out with me into those places i just want to say thank you that is what we are doing and that god willing is what we will continue to do And I want to encourage you to continue to step out and to be part of it, to be part of this great story that we've been reading about in these last two weeks, that the ripples of God's love continue to go out from the epicenter of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. The floodgates of God's mercy have been released on the Mount of Crucifixion. And the Spirit is at work in us and among us and through us to minister to a community in need, a nation in need, a world in need. So I want to encourage us to have an expectancy, to see visions, to dream dreams, to declare prophetically, the truth of God, to pray for healing, to call people to follow Jesus Christ, I want to encourage us to do it because as we do it, we will know increasingly that it is Christ at His work. One of the things that has struck me most in this last week, Acts chapter 9, whenever Peter steps into the bedroom of Aeneas, a man who has been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years in the town of Lydda. And what does Peter say as he steps into the room? He says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. And Inias, the paralyzed man, does exactly that. That is who we are. We are filled with the Spirit of Christ. And we are called to go out into a world and to recognize that it is Christ who does the work. I believe he continues to go out before us. He continues as the mighty man of God to step out into the places of darkness and brokenness and tears. And he's constantly saying to us, come with me. Be moved by my spirit. And increasingly begin to do what looks utterly impossible. To expect, to see Him at work, to expect to see supernatural things happen, because we are not living in a material world. We're living in the world that was created through God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ, and is being restored by the Holy Spirit. Let us pray.